It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. Great. We're getting going this morning. Something uh, about these Sunday mornings uh, that is really special. Uh, You know, I... Being a little earlier uh, throws uh, some schedules off. Uh, so we're 8.15, 8.15, 8.15, and then 7.15. Uh, but, and whether or not it'll always be that way, at least for now, this is the, the way that best fits the schedule here on the campus. But uh, at the same time, it feels very fresh early, early in the morning. I love early, early uh, in the morning. There's just something about it, especially when it's light out early. I don't know. I'm one of those guys that uh, loves it uh, when it's approaching June 21st, the longest day of the year. Of course, that's uh, Avonlea, uh, Avonlea's birthday, who's our uh, 10-year-old. But, uh, so it's an extra special day. Uh, but I love the light. And I, maybe it's because I'm a Christian, huh? That I just love the light. But uh, I love getting up early when it's light and uh, going on a walk and praying. And so there's something special about having daily thunder early in the morning when it's, uh, when it's this time of year. So when it's the dead of winter, who knows? Maybe I, I won't be as excited. We'll see. You can test me on that. But uh, I'm going through a series called Life Lessons, and I'm hoping you've been able to pick some of these up because these are some good life lessons. This one uh, is the principle of recalibration. So I've had a few that have had a similar type of title, you know, like the principle of no, the principle of, uh, what was it, the other one, principle of gentleness, uh, and then I had another one called the Puddle Principle. So I've used principle in quite a few of them. Uh, and then this one's called the Principle of Recalibration. I was having a tough time naming this one because it's something that I refer to often in my life, but I've, I've never really named it. And so I guess this forced the issue. And so I have a whole bunch of different things that it sort of categorizes under, uh, which is like one of them is more right. One of them is the Mary Principle. Uh, but that was made up just for the sake of this. So I almost called it the Mary Principle. But that might be somewhat misleading. And there's a reason for that. I was talking, I think it was even on Friday. I don't know if it was in the Daily Thunder time or if it was in the prayer time afterwards. But I was talking about how my next life principle probably needs to be on uh, Mary versus Martha. Uh, and so I've been pondering that because it's a deep aspect in my life that God has worked in time and time and time again. And uh, yet the principle itself is not just Mary. It is something that Mary exhibits, yes, but there's something even more to it that has been very significant in my life. And I'm going to call that recalibration. So uh, for all of you that uh, are not familiar with the word recalibration, I really like the, the word, uh, but it's, uh, this is from the Cambridge English Dictionary. It means to make small changes to an instrument so that it measures accurately. And so just imagine that we as Christians are an instrument and that sometimes we get off. There's an intention that God has for a Christian, and that is that we showcase the glory of Jesus Christ. And so what the Holy Spirit is going to be constantly doing is recalibrating. He's going to be making small changes to an instrument so that it can measure more accurately. And sometimes there are seasons when we're measuring accurately and then we get off in our measurements. 
and little things happen. You know, we have disturbances in our life. We have a bad attitude in our life. We ingest something from the culture which is unhealthy, and it has a tendency to throw off our instrument and sort of cloud our ability to measure. And so as a result, we stop discerning as, as well as we were before. We stop seeing what God is wanting us to see. We stop speaking the words that we should be speaking with the same spiritual kindness and dexterity and love. There's something a little off in the instrument. And so as a result, this becomes very, very important. The Holy Spirit is very good at bringing us back to the way we ought to be. So in in the past, you've heard me talk about sanctification, which is the constant process God has in our life of making us more and more like Christ. But in the process of us becoming like Christ, we oftentimes go sideways too. It's not just backwards. We go sideways and we get a little off. We get off center or we get off our game. And so the Holy Spirit will also not just bring us forward, but he'll bring us back to the middle. He'll bring us back to the center. One of the things that's, uh, is, it's another life principle. I just haven't figured out exactly how to, how to package it yet because I speak about it all the time and I'm try, I want to make it <laughs> catch, catch your, uh, your understanding a little differently than, than I have in the past. So I I'm, haven't debuted it yet, but that is that Jesus is the center of the center. And so if you've heard me speak, that's what I talk about all the time. Uh, but it is a life principle and so it needs to fall into the life principle uh, category. And uh, in Revelation, it talks about the lamb in the midst of the throne. And, and the term for uh, the, the midst is anamesos, which is like the middle of the middle. And so in the middle of the middle is Christ. And whenever we are moving forward, the Holy Spirit always desires us in Christ. He desires us in the middle of the middle. And we have a tendency to veer. I don't know if you've learned that in your own life, but uh, it's just amazing. Left to our own devices, we veer. And so the Holy Spirit is very good at bringing us back from our veering. He's a shepherd. It's like he has that rod, and he taps our fluffy backside to say, hey, little sheepy. No, a little more to the middle. So let's talk about recalibration, spiritual recalibration. To allow the Holy Spirit to make small changes to our thinking, living, and behaving so that we reveal the kingdom of heaven correctly. Now, again, I'm saying this is a life principle because for many of us, we think that the changes oftentimes need to be significant. They need to be huge. But most of what the Holy Spirit does in my life is very, very micro. It's very, very granular. It's very, very small. And I could be doing something that, for all practical purposes to all those on the outside, looks right, and yet the Holy Spirit will still convict me of it and say, "Ah, Eric, more right. Let's move, move this way. Come on more right. You see, God, maybe I should say it this way. There's something, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but it leads to death. But there's also a way of righteousness. There's a way that we esteem that even in religious circles, in Christian circles, we can say, oh, that's the right way. And yet God will still correct that and say, "Mm, there's something more right. And so we see that unpacked in the story of Mary and Martha. And so I want to, to read that real quick. Now it happened, and sorry, the, the scripture reference, if you happen to be seeing this, is, uh, is so off. <laughs> this is, uh, I don't remember where this, which, uh, which gospel account this was from, but it wasn't from Titus 3, which is what it says on the screen. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. 
And she, and she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So this, this story touches me at multiple levels. And for our staff here at Ellerslie, I have brought this story up multiple times to exhibit something. And first of all, I need to confess, I lean in a Martha direction. And I, I don't know if others of you could... Uh, come to that same conclusion in your life, but what Martha is doing in this story actually makes sense to me. What Mary is doing in this story doesn't. And I always want the Spirit of God to tag that. Why is it that what is right in my mind is actually not correct in God's? In other words, he's saying, no, no, that's actually not the best way, Eric. And yet to me, it seems right. There's a need for a recalibration. This is a recalibration uh, passage in Scripture where God is saying, hey, Martha, I know that it looks right in your mind. I know that you think you have a grip on what is right, but I want to show you what is more right. So if Jesus is coming to town, you, you get word of it, okay? You have your little house, and uh, you hear that the Messiah himself is showing up. The king of all kings, the creator of the heavens and the earth is coming to your house. Now, I know how I respond when just someone normal, not Jesus, is coming over to my house, right? Uh, we're, I want to clean up the house. Hey, kids. Hey, kids. I, let's pick that up. We've got some stuff on the hearth that goes down to your rooms. Hey, hey, guys. We need someone to sweep in the kitchen. Let's get this thing going. And if the kids are, you know, sitting there reading a book instead, what am I going to say? Hey, 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 hey. Daddy's already said that we need to get going. We have someone showing up in 10 minutes. Okay, so daddy can get a little bustly, okay? I can get a little ornery if, if needed to make sure that my kids get going, right? So I can really get this. Jesus is coming to the house, and we got some things going. We got the, the meatloaf to make. We got the table to set. We have stuff that needs to be done. Hey, Mary, Mary, what are you doing? You see, what is, what is Mary doing? Jesus shows up, and we have, I'm already behind schedule. We need to get this going. I mean, it, I, I want to serve the king the way a king deserves to be served. Everything about this story makes sense to me from the Martha angle. Everything sort of bugs me. See, what's weird about this story is I know where God's going to lean in this story. And that's where I just want to be honest with myself. I can cluck my tongue at Martha and go, Martha, what are you thinking? It was Jesus that was coming to your house. And yet I actually want to acknowledge that I see it from Martha's angle naturally and as a result have a tendency to need to review this story often. And this is a recalibration story in my life all the time. And so oftentimes I will think, okay, Lord, am I... Am I doing the Martha thing again? And I'll even say this to myself, Martha, Martha. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I'll actually stick my name in just if, in case it would help more. Eric, Eric. Because I love to get things done. And I love to do things well. It's a wonderful attribute of my life. And most of you would say, good for you, Eric. And yet, it's important that I don't take your accolade or your pat on the back to say, oh, what you're doing is very important, Eric. 
and I allow the Word of God to correct me because our American culture is very Martha-esque and our American Christian culture is also very Martha-esque. And so I would say the principle of recalibration, which is a life principle in my life, is that even though I can get pats on the back from the church, even though my culture can say, look at how hard Eric is working. Look at it, and he's doing it to feed the king. That is so noble, Eric, that the Holy Spirit will still need to come into such a moment and say, Martha, Martha. You see, I'm bustling. I'm busy. And there's something that is of greater importance. There is something that is more right. You see, what Martha's doing is right. You can't complain about the fact that she wants to be hospitable to the king of kings. And we can give great argument for that scripturally. However, it's not that Martha's wrong. It's that Mary is more right. And for me, I don't want to just do that which is right and miss the more right. And this is where the recalibration comes in. It's the fine-tuning of the Holy Spirit to bring us under the behavior that brings about the glory of God. Not just a distant haze that is somewhat similar to the way God would work, but the way God would work if he lived in this body and did what he would do in this moment. What would he be doing in that moment in Mary and Martha's house? He's saying, you see what Mary's doing right here. She is sitting at my feet listening to my word right here. And you can just imagine Martha. Well, who do you think is going to get the food on the table then? I mean, to me, that's exactly what goes through my head. It's like, well, well God, I, I think that's just wonderful. I think, but obviously one of us is going to have to get this stuff done. Okay, you can't just presume that, that the meatloaf's going to cook itself, that the table is going to set itself, that the, that the silverware is going to set itself on the table by itself. And if we don't do that, well, then we're missing the practical side of life. I get this, okay? This is what I go through all the time. And it's not that the, there's an absence of doing Martha's work. It's that the Martha work needs to flow out of the Mary work. And so as a result, when we recalibrate, we put emphasis where emphasis should be. Martha puts emphasis in that kitchen. Mary's putting emphasis in that living room. And for us, we need to make sure that we're putting our stock where God desires us to put our stock. And so in all circumstances in Scripture, you're going to see that, where there's going to be that little child that comes up and is... Uh, desiring to meet with Jesus and to spend time with Jesus, and the, and the disciples want to shoo him away because he has important spiritual work to do. And Jesus stops them and recalibrates them. He says, no, no, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Let him come to me. You see, each of us has a tendency to shoo away the children. We have a tendency to shoo away the sitting at the feet because we have important work to do. And what we need to allow the Spirit of God to do is to pinpoint in our life those things that we have unwittingly turned down the volume on. We have unwittingly dimmed the importance of certain things in our life because we've gotten a little off. Now that could have happened through a trial, through a season of busyness, through something that we ingested from the culture that maybe has gotten our, our system monitoring uh, a little cockeyed. Whatever it is, we need to come back to the Holy Spirit and say, God, I want you to fine-tune me. Bring me back to the Mary. 
Bring me back to allowing the little children unto you. Lord, may I be thinking your thoughts as opposed to my own. So recalibrating Martha. So wherever there's a little Martha in you, this is, this is for you. It's for me. I know that. Is it right to prepare the house, to set the table, to, to serve Jesus well? <laughs> well, I mean, just think about that question. I'm going to read it again. Just, just listen to it, okay? And you can understand why Eric struggles with this. Is it right to prepare the house, to set the table, and to serve Jesus well? The answer is yes. That's the right, that's a right thing to do. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just listen to this. But it is more right to do what Mary did. And so for each of us, in all circumstances in this life, there is oftentimes something that God wants to bring us to, which is the more right. He is refining our behavior. He's recalibrating us around himself. Because there's things that seem right unto us, but aren't the more right. It is, it is wonderfully right to be a leader in the church and to preach the gospel. But it is more right to tend to your individual walk with Christ, your marriage, and your family. And so if I am preaching the truth in the church and I'm heralding the gospel around the globe, but I'm not tending to the most important things, what we could call the first things in my life, then my life begins to decay. But it's not because preaching the gospel around the world was bad. It's just that there was something in my life that was more right, and when I don't tend to it, it actually erodes the rest of my life. And so, for each of us, we sometimes need to hear, Martha, Martha. You can put your own name in if that helps. However, for each of us, let's make sure that we aim towards that more right. In Revelation 2, Jesus, it is, it's the glorified Jesus, the exalted Jesus that's like a flame of fire, a rainbow around him, is talking. And what he is speaking, he's speaking to seven churches, and he's speaking here to the church at Ephesus. And how deeply this impacts me on this point, I mean, it's, it's, it's moving, it's convicting, it's, it's life-changing. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He's going to speak, guys. Here he goes. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. Well, good job, Ephesus. That's pretty good. That's wonderful. Let's look at this. He knows their works, their labor, their patience, and that they cannot bear those who are evil. Well done. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience. Well, that, that's great. That is wonderful. And have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Well, I tell you what, that is a wonderful compliment from the king of all kings to the church at Ephesus. And don't you think we should stop right there? You see, it's, we, we know that there's this tension when God speaks to these churches. I mean, there is one exception where he just has glowing reviews the whole time. But the rest of them, they get a, a rebuke in there too. And even in the midst of doing all this right stuff, there is something that is off. And the Spirit of Christ is coming into this situation and he's recalibrating. That's what this is. He says, nevertheless... 
in light of all of this, I have this against you. Oh, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. All right, now this might sound a little harsh, but to say that what I'm talking about is serious is an understatement. To allow the Holy Spirit to keep us on a straight and narrow path To allow the Holy Spirit to recalibrate us, I would say is one of the most important life lessons that I have. And that is that I cannot presume that just because I lived well yesterday, I'm living well today. And even though I may not be cognizant of doing something incorrectly, I still could be. In other words, to come before the Spirit of God on a daily basis and say, God, My gaze needs to be fixed on you. If there's anything in my life that needs to be honed, sharpened, please do not let me go sideways. Do not let me grow dim in my love for you. Do not let me lose first love. And you could say that in your walk with God. You could say that in your marriage. You could say that in your family. Your first loves, if you even want to look at it that way. That you could start out strong and fade as you go down this thing called life. You see, there are so many things that are going to try and pull you away from your first love. However, though you were doing all this great stuff in Ephesus, Jesus still says, look, but I have this against you. You have left something behind. Martha, Martha! It's wonderful that you're preparing the food. It's wonderful. Your meatloaf is the best in all of Israel. The way you set the table is immaculate. The seriousness with which you take your work is tremendous. But I have this against you. When I came into your house and sat in your living room, you did not leave this work and come and listen and sit at my feet. But that is your first love. Repent, Martha, and return to first works. Repent and do what is the most important thing to do. So when the first love dims, what are we supposed to do? Repent and do the first works. So in my life, when I think of first works, because that's somewhat of a vague term, you could say, what what are first works? Because I don't know, what did Ephesus do that was the first works, right? I mean, that's somewhat confusing, How am I supposed to respond to that practically? I mean, that's spoken to the church at Ephesus, number one. It has has nothing to do with me. I'll just let Ephesus deal with that. And yet we all know it still has weight, and the Spirit of God can still apply that. He applies it to my life all the time. Eric, repent. Now, when we think of repentance, it needs to be some gross sin. It doesn't. It's literally sometimes a flip of thinking. It's like, I'm doing it again. I'm in the kitchen bustling about Repent, Eric. All right? You're right, God. I'm going into the living room. Just change. Turn. Don't do it anymore. Just stop right there. You got the pan of meatloaf in your hand. Set it down. Take off your apron. I mean, this isn't typically what I would do, but uh, I'm not usually with the meatloaf with the apron on. But put down the pan, take off the apron, and step into the living room and just be quiet before the living God. Yeah. Something like that. 
First works. So I've been, I've been pondering over the past couple days, first works. And I would say thoughtfulness is a first work for me. It's like when I think about my relationship with God, I think there's a difference between doing my work with him, like, hey, good morning, Lord, and then going through the days, like, oh, hey, and I mean, I'm, I'm handling scripture, I'm preaching the truth, I'm praying, I'm doing all that, but there's a difference between that and being at his feet and being thoughtful, which is two ways. One is to listen and to wait upon him, and the other is to do special things for him, which could be to, I don't know, write a poem to him, write a letter to, to my God, to pray a special, more intimate prayer as opposed to a global prayer that deals with big things. And that's a first thing. It's always been there in my walk with him. And I notice in sometimes I start to get like Martha, and what, what, what am I missing? I'm missing that more intimate walk with Christ. And I have a more professional walk with Christ. I don't want a professional walk with Christ. I don't want to be Martha doing everything right in the house and missing my Savior. First thing, thoughtfulness uh, in my marriage. In other words, there's, I can go into professional mode with Leslie too. It's like, hey, we got this to be done. We got kids we need to raise. We got all this stuff. However, there's a big difference between a, having a professional marriage and having an intimate marriage. And the same thing is true. It's a first thing. It's thoughtfulness. You know, there's things where I can do throughout the day which spike my connectedness with my wife. And yet I could easily veer away from those when I get busy. It's like, wow, well, she'll understand that I can't do that. I mean, she's busy too. I, I don't have time for, to buy flowers. I don't have time to write a, a little note to her. And all you sometimes have to do is sit down at an email and literally say, thinking about you. And you were. That's the only way you could write that email. You had to be thinking about them. And even something that small can be a first work. And yet, guess what? Sometimes Eric needs to repent and do first works. How about with my kids? I need to be thoughtful. There are little things that you can do with a child just to remind them of your love. Instead of just saying, well, they should know I love them. I'm, a, I'm their dad. Look at all the stuff I'm doing for them. See, that's, not, that's professional parenting. But intimate parenting is going to take each one and just have that special word, a special thought. I really appreciate this about, the, about you. You know what? I love the way you do this. Boom! That is something that is a first work instead of veering off into Martha Martha-ism. Okay, another one, prayer. And I, I, I mentioned it already, but your prayer can diminish into the kitchen instead of being in the living room. There's just there's a difference between kitchen praying and, and living room praying. In other words, where you're bustling about handling the big stuff in life as opposed to waiting on God and spending time. I remember A.W. Tozer saying, praying until you pray. Well, you know when you're in a busy season, you can't really pray until you pray. You need to get your prayer done. And so it's like, okay, God, here's my prayer for today because I need to get to something. No, no. That's kitchen praying. That's Martha, Martha stuff as opposed to Mary praying. And the other one I would say is for me, it would be like journaling. It would be, uh, what was my other one that I had? It was a very normal one too and it's like, it just left my brain. I know what it is, this is ridiculous. It's the Bible. It's how I spend time in the Bible because there's two ways. I can professionally 
handle the Bible. And anyone who is a teacher of the Word of God understands what it means to professionally handle the Word of God as opposed to intimately handle the Word of God. Eric, Eric, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Yes, Lord. You're right. What do I need to do? What do I need to do to have that intimate place again? Repent and do the first works. Yes, Lord. So life principle, life lesson right there. Now, I know you might look down on me because I've had to repent in the past <laughs> and return to first works, but if any of you have ever walked the narrow way for a season of your life, you understand how easy it is and how necessary it is and how precious it is that the Holy Spirit will have such a care for us that he will not let us veer off. He's a good shepherd. We are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But he is a shepherd with a rod that comforts us and taps us on the fluffy backside to lead us down the straight and narrow. So is it time to recalibrate? Is there a need for any of us that are hearing this, whether it be live or whether it be via podcast, for us to repent, for us to return to a first love, to do first works, to move out of just our kitchen into our living room spiritually so that we are intimate and at his feet instead of wearing the apron and, the pan, and carrying the pan of meatloaf to serve him. There's nothing wrong with preparing the table. There's nothing wrong with cooking a good meatloaf. What we want to make sure is that we don't miss the living room moments in our life. Let's pray. Father, this is something that we need you to do in us. We need you to hold us so that we don't wander. We need you to keep us. We need you to strengthen us for this journey. And Lord, none of us want to be professional Christians. We want to be intimate ones. Ones that you know. Ones that know you. We want to be a bride. We want to be children. We want to be a friend. We want to be all that you intend us to be in the fullness of that work of grace. So please, Lord, work this in us. And where you need to correct us today and rebuke us, please do. So that we would return to those first works. And Lord, that the refreshment of our soul would come and follow. It's in the precious name we pray. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.